Hi, this is Dr. Barbara Becker Holstein and Debbie Storz. Storz. <laughs> Higgins. And, um, you know, we're back with old time radio. This is our new look. <laughs> This is our new. This is our new look. <laughs> We're trying to hold it as many hours a day as we can because it costs very inexpensive facelift spe specialty. That you get down on one side. There's no facelift, <laughs> and then you put it up, and then the other side. But then you do both, and you've lost ten years. Oh, yes, <laughs> and, uh, and yes. This is something that we're trying. Yes. My face is getting tired. I have okay. to Okay, I'm going to let go and I'm holding it. Yes. What we thought we would do today is tell silly stories, one of our subjects. Why silly stories? Just because it's the dead of the winter. It's just an awful time of year for a lot of people. And a lot of people feel kind of blue in February. And it seems like, like winter will never end. And um, a lot of us have had trouble sleeping, partly during to the, the pandemic. I know the other night I was up like, I'm going to guess three or four hours and I was so worried, and the things I was worried about were quite minor. So definitely my brain was just an overload and couldn't relax. So Barbara, I think you and I are just worry warts. We've come to that conclusion. <laughs> I think we're worry warts, you know? So I don't yes. know. Yes, but we, we probably are because we take all our roles in life very seriously and we try to do 100% when we say we're doing something. So, so that's true. But it, didn't, it certainly didn't help with the sleep. Anyway, being silly can be very good. It, it can really help massage your internal organs. If you're laughing a lot, it's the greatest, cheapest medicine. And you can feel really uplifted. It gets all the happy parts of your body, you know, all the whatever, the uh, neurological stuff going again in, in happy directions. And um, nothing is better than a wonderful, wonderful laugh that you have with, your, with a friend, with a stranger, no matter what. It's just, it kind of cures a lot of stuff. So I was thinking about silly things in my own life. And it's a little sad because most of the silly things that came to me, and of course it could be just because this is February, were about cats. The cats in my life have provided many silly moments. And I'll give you a couple of examples. One is that we had a mouse in our bathtub. Now, you know, that's not the worst thing, but it's kind of not the best thing either. So, was it alive or was it yes, dead? Yes, yes, it was okay, alive. It was alive. Okay. So, we, we had to do something. So, my husband said, Go get Trixie, put Trixie in the bathtub. I mean, she's a cat. Let her do whatever has to be done. Well, Trixie at that point was about 15 years old. She really didn't want to go on service duty. 
you know, she was <laughs> she was spending her time out in the front of our house, lying on the porch or wandering across the street near Deal Lake, just checking things out and really, you know, having a senior moments. So Russell picks her up and puts her in the tub. Well, she's no, she was no dumb bunny. You know, she looked around, she saw the mouse, she saw what the deal was. So she, this is what happened. She eventually leaped out of the tub with the mouse in her mouth, of course, because she's a cat and, you know, that's what they do. But she was, must have been very angry at Russell. And I don't blame her. Now that I'm in, you know, those older years, you know, I appreciate being left alone and just resting and restoring myself and having a cup of tea and whatever. So she was darn mad. So what she did is she walked toward our bedroom with a mouse in her mouth. She walked through the bedroom over to my husband's bureau and dropped the mouse so it ran right under his bureau. <laughs> so revenge revenge she got revenge so that was one very very silly moment in my life silly crazy moment so i'll talk tell you one more so you can while you think of some um i think that the kennedy airport story is a great story very strange and very expensive, but we seem to have no way out of it. So this is that story. Our daughter had been living in Budapest as a young woman in her very early 20s, making her way to have an exciting life. And she was on her way to coming home, but coming home was at a different time than Right now, it might be a couple of months off. She had to get out of her apartment. She didn't know where she'd be living. You know, typical stuff. So she said, please go to the airport and get my cat, Zipafusa. Zipafusa was named for shoelaces in, Buddha, you know, in um, Hungarian. Great name. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Take Zipafusa, bring her home, and I promise within two weeks, I'll have an apartment and I'll take her. Just remember those words because you're going to get, see what happens to those words. So she said her, her girlfriend was going to, I lost you. I can't see you now. And there's a, are you still there? We're all here. Barb. Okay. okay. So um, she said, go to the airport and my friend so-and-so, I've lost her name, will come out of arrivals and she has like 30 minutes to get onto her next plane. And I said, but I've never seen this girl before. She said, oh, don't worry. She'll have Zipa Fusa in a box and you're, you know, you'll see her. She's tall. She has brown hair. She'll be sort of looking around and, um, oh, I'm sure it'll work out. So fine, the day comes that I'm supposed to drive to Kennedy. Kennedy from here is a good two hours if you hit some traffic, it's not the most pleasant ride. Wake up, it's snowing out. Well, there was no way in the world I was driving to Kennedy Airport in snow 
back and forth by myself. I pleaded with my husband, but didn't do any good. Off he went to the office, out of the picture. And the only other person I could plead with was my son, who still lived at home and had uh, courses at Brookdale, but was perfectly willing to miss them and help me. But he wouldn't drive. I wouldn't drive. So the only possibility was hiring someone. Well, I'm not even going to tell you what it costs to hire a limo to go to Kennedy with snow on that day. Too much, but we had absolutely no choice because this girl was going to come out with a cat. Off we go to Kennedy Airport. And it was nice to have a driver. He got us really close to the door. He was very friendly. He sat in the car while we went in. And somehow, miracle of miracles, this young, pretty girl, brunette, tall, with, with a case in her hand, comes walking by me. And I said, are you Jessica's friend? And she said, oh, yes, here. <laughs> she gives, gives me the box. She leaves. She's going to Alabama or somewhere where she lived. I go back. We get back in the limousine. We start back to New Jersey. Zipa Fuza is sound asleep. Well, Zipa Fuza woke up halfway home. And of course, you know, this poor cat, she was like in shock. She's crying and crying and crying and crying. Finally, we get home. So we come in. I put her down. I can open this box. She doesn't come out. She's scared to death. We have two other cats. One was Trixie, who the same Trixie from the mouse in the tub, who was at that point younger. Maybe she was about 12. And Miller, why is a cat next oh, Why is a cat named Miller? Well, that's because uh, something to do with Justin getting that cat and liking to have a beer. I don't quite get it, but somehow she's named Miller. And she's the younger one, about four years old at that point. So Trixie realizes that something's going on with a new cat and she's not happy. So what Trixie does is what any good mature cat should do. She goes over to Miller because she's not going to bother this frightened new cat who's panicking in the corner. And she hits Miller with her right paw, right, she must have been right pawed, right handed, hits her on the head three times just to let her know that if she hadn't come to live with us, then we wouldn't be dealing with Zipa Fusa, clear as a bell. And Zipa Fusa, Zipa Fusa lived in my son's closet for two months. Aw. <laughs> so. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but she lived a long life after. Oh, the, big, the ending to the story. Jessica never came for her. Oh, for Corey's sake. <laughs> I took care of her the next eight or nine years until she did get sick, and I had to handle all that. Well, that's what yeah. kids do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's what So you're on, Debbie. Got well, a little... Well, back to kids, they always want an animal. They want it, they go nuts, so then they get it, and then it lasts about a week, and then you end up feeding it. The parent ends up, you know, with all that stuff. Um, I don't really have anything silly. I can't remember anything silly, but 
back to the snow thing. I'm just going to go through the snow. I um, I bought uh, years ago. I lived on a horse farm. It was like my dream. And um, the driveway was about, oh, God, I have no idea, 250 feet from the road. And I had my horses there. And it was the first, I think it was the winter of 95, if anybody can remember. We had snow that made what we have now look like a dusting. Mm -hmm. And it snowed so much. And I was boarding dogs as well. I had a kennel. I had always had dogs. I took people's dogs in. And I had all these dogs. And I always would let people's dogs be in the house so they could play or do whatever. And the people couldn't get back from Florida and all their trips. So I had this the dogs running around like crazy around the house. Luckily, I had a lot of food. But then I went out and my horses were snowed into their stalls. <gasps> I couldn't get them out. And they had the snow in front. So I tried to dig it down and I got it down to the point where it was about, oh, I don't know, three and a half feet high. And I had to pull them and they had to jump, like <gasps> jump out of their stalls. And then I had to put all dirt and manure around because, you know, horses have metal shoes on and they hit the ice. Boom, a broken <gasps> leg. So it was so unbelievable. And we, we laughed about this story this week because I had forgotten about it. But my son was just little. And I have a, a well, my best friend, Augie lived over in uh, nearby and I called him up and I said, Derek, get on the phone and tell Augie that we need him over here because we have no food. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek got on the phone and he goes, Augie, mom and I need you because we don't have food. And it was hysterical because of course we always have food. You know, I mean, I love to cook in the refrigerator. I could have like an army here. You know, I could be snowed in for months and have food. But that was a winter that was just, and living so far from the road and not knowing people that could come and plow for me. Wow. It was really something. It was really farming. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes. You know? Yes. And, um, and this has been um, interesting as well. I don't know about everybody else, but, we shoveled three times with this snowstorm, three times, and it still is crazy. I have like a weirdo path. It, it looks like a fantasy path, all different like this, and salt on it. But, it, you know, it's been difficult, and luckily yeah. I don't have to go to the post office like I used to because I have some a Diller, uh, what do you call it, crazy stories from the post office because they don't care that it snows. You have to get there. And uh, so many times I worked at the post office where we had no electricity, no heat, but we still had to go in. And uh, I, we have a lot of a lot of silly, funny stories from that. Because in the old days, our boss wasn't there on Saturday and the stuff we did was a riot. We even took the postal trucks one time and we did spins on Main Street in front of the post <laughs> I mean, now we would be like in federal prison, but back then it was it was funny. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. Um, well, you're reminding me of a Puma lift story that okay. I'll tell briefly. When I was a freshman, I joined a uh, 
hiking uh, kind of club. And uh, we were going to, you know, get good at, at hiking in the fall and then skiing in the winter. And I have a history of being a klutz, very poor athlete. Although I can take a dance lesson and follow very well, athletics are not my, you know, where I have any talent. Yeah. But I went along for the fun of it and everything. And I was a beginner skier and I was pretty careful. I fell like everybody, but I didn't overdo it. And there was something I could understand why people do love to ski. You know, you're out, the air is so incredibly fresh. And after a while, you don't, you're not tired. You know, you have this few hours where you're like, it, it kind of makes you, <laughs> kind of yeah. makes you look young and fresh, <laughs> very yeah. fresh, you know. So, I this is what happened. We went to a key uh, a ski lift place um, that had puma lifts. Now, a puma lift is a long bar that comes down off of the track, you know, it's on the track, and you put it between your legs and there's just a tiny little seat about this big. You're not really sitting on it, but you're leaning against the seat with your backside. Uh -huh. And if you don't fall off, it's fine. And when you get to the top, I think they signal you a certain point and then you know you're gonna sort of get this thing out from under you and you've got a few seconds to um, move away from it. Well, unfortunately, it, it fell. Somehow I lost it. I just couldn't hold it between my legs and do what I was supposed to. And halfway up the mountain, I lost it. And I'm just left halfway up the mountain. You know, I didn't injure myself, fortunately, as I lost holding it, but I was no longer connected. And of course, no one was there to help me. So I guess you call this one of these uh, coming of age moments where you either make it or you're killed or whatever. So oh I, I took off, I took off coming of age. That's <laughs> yeah. I took off my skis and I had to carry them along, you know, with the poles. And I had to walk the whole way down back to the main building. And, um, I sort of felt like, you know, uh, an, an explorer or somebody out in the wilderness. But really, I was really, really pretty tired and upset. And that was my story. And needless to say, I never went beyond really beginner level. And uh, my husband, when we got married, really had no interest in skiing. So those skis kind of stayed from, you know, back room to basement to garage for years and years and years. And they're gone. I don't even remember now exactly when I gave them away. So that's my Puma story. That's well, not really that's, funny, but I, it's still like sort of weird. One of the weird moments. Stories to just relive in your life. But we have the famous Ming on tonight. Ming, you want to get yes. a story or what? I uh, not to yeah. put you on the spot. No, not at all. So we're telling like we're telling winter stories, stories about yeah, like snow stuff, snow stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I grew up in uh, in Michigan. I grew up in the Midwest, and um, um, the uh, yeah, I I it always um, yeah. I moved here uh, in two thousand two, so I've been here almost twenty years. 
And uh, it always amazes me, you know, when the snow's coming, everybody panics here. Uh, Paper, milk, and bread. The grocery stores get raided. Um, All the schools shut down, even if it snows like a quarter inch. People crash into each other. They can't drive. Yep. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, me, I'm like, oh, this this is it. And I'm always getting yelled at. People are like, this is really bad. I'm like, no. Uh, Yeah. And maybe maybe it's selfish of me to insist on going to the studio or going to work or going out for groceries whenever it snows. Um, But, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little too cavalier when it when it when it snows out. Um, But there there was one time in Michigan where uh, there was a class I had to get to. Like if I didn't get there, I was going to fail. And this big Mm -hmm. ice storm had rolled through. And my mom was like, you can't go. You can't go. It's dangerous. You're going to get into a wreck. And uh, I, 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 you know, I I insisted, I, I don't, I probably should have listened to her. I insisted on going, Uh, hopped in my car, went out of the driveway and there, there's a hill coming out of my neighborhood before it flattens out. Um, So I'm taking it slow down the hill. And uh, all of a sudden I hit a patch of ice and my car spins around. I start going down the hill backwards and it was at that moment i was like you know i should have i probably should have listened to my mom and (laughs) uh yeah but somehow i righted myself and i was able to (laughs) i don't know how i did it maybe i watch a lot of movies you know steve mcqueen bullet or and i was able to write myself and i kept on going I, i made it class um, I ended up, I think, getting a B or a C, so I didn't fail. And I guess it was a good thing I, I made it out of there. Can't believe but, the teacher made it in and everything, you know? Yeah, I think that. they were on campus already. I was, uh, I was living off campus at the time, so uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if they would have. The, the thing about living in Michigan is you can't. They, they don't take that as an excuse that it's. Well, no I, much I have, I have another story too about the snow because um, just like you living in Michigan. I went to, I wanted to go to the Tattinger Champagne Festival because I love to drink champagne. And it was in Newport, Rhode Island. And my friend and I took off from here and we called. We called Rhode Island and we said, hey, we're coming from New Jersey. It's snowing. And are you going to have it? And they said, oh, come on, you Jersey people. What jerks? Of course we're going to have it. We're Rhode Island. So we kept driving and we got about three quarters of the way. We called them again and they said the same thing. And it was so white. It was a whiteout. You couldn't even see. And if anybody's ever gone into Newport, there's a bridge you got to go over. And all I could see driving, I was so nervous because bridges scare the hell out of me anyway, were the headlights of what I thought was a truck because it was real high. But I couldn't see the truck and the cars were swerving and all this. And I had a rental car, so it was a wreck. So we get there and we pull up and we get to the hotel and we check in and we said, okay, we're here for the Tattinger Champagne Festival. And they go, oh, we canceled that because of the snow. I couldn't, we like took our lives in our hands. So they were so nice. They gave us the whole weekend for free. And they also said, you can go to the restaurant, which was beautiful. It wasn't like, you know, hamburgers and French fries. And they said, eat anything you want, order whatever you want, the drinks you want, everything is free. And that, and I just remembered that snow memory. It was, it was really good, but it was dangerous. But Rhode Island was like Michigan. You know, they thought, ah, oh, you know, we got this in the bag, but they, they canceled it. 
Yeah, so, my question is, uh, did you did you get all the champagne that you could drink? I imagine. No, I didn't have any champagne because it was like a regular bar, and you know, if you know, but but the next morning, we were supposed to be in one of the big mansions. We were supposed to be in um, Rosecliff for the champagne festival, and we went over to the mansions, and they were all closed because of the snow. But I wanted to show my friend Bob just whatever. So we walked up to the breakers and there was snow. We trudged through it and we saw a car and I knocked on the door, knock, knock, knock. And this old man who was the caretaker, like opened the door and he goes, we're closed and everything. And I went, oh, we came from New Jersey. I want Bob to see the breakers. And he said, you know what? Come on in. We'll walk around the house. Uh. And oh my God, it was like, I'm obsessed with that time period. So he was like, great. We just had the greatest thing. And it was just, it was just, a, it was a beautiful day. We'll never forget it. It was wonderful. I want to just ask Ming. Ming, were you by Travis City at all? Um, I was not. I grew up in Ann Arbor. That's where I went to school. Oh, in Ann Arbor. Uh, you know, okay. Gold Blue, Ann Arbor. Um, yeah. I, I was uh, lucky enough to visit Traverse City um, back in 2019. I always wanted to go there. That's, that's on my bucket list. It's beautiful, and uh, what they say, yeah, it's the one of the cherry capitals of the world. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I had to get a slice of the cherry pie, and uh, yeah. I, I made some great friends up there. I, I I really hope to go back. I'm probably glad that I'm not there now. You know, that just I think I'm just too old for all this snow. <laughs> Even though you know, I, I yeah. say cavalier, and I'll go out in any condition. I just don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, we're I would, a very crowded place, so it's it's not like driving on a road all by yourself. You know, it's it's a big deal to go out there. It really is, you know. So, anyway, Barbara, any well, things you're thinking I, about? I'm thinking about when uh, we were young. And the enthusiasm and the excitement that we kind of felt when it snowed. And um, uh, one little story comes to my mind just about the end of that part of my life, um, late 20s. And um, we were married and we were living in a group of small little apartments and everybody was kind of friendly and stuff. And it started to snow and Somebody said they had to get out to their family outside of Boston. We lived in Boston. Well, Roslindale, which was a little town within Boston. And um, for some reason, instead of just saying, oh, that's nice. There were about four of us that begged to go with this couple into the snow on the highway just to be in a storm. I mean, it's like I can't even understand where any of our minds were i really can't but at at our we were there it was beautiful out we all pushed into the car um and started out toward this other town which was maybe 30 30 miles away um out but you have to get out of the city first too and the snow was so bad that eventually we were picked up by the police and they kindly drove us to this one person's home where we had been headed. I mean, it Imagine became... the police doing that now? They yeah, right. right. I mean, it was, 
you know, really close to a disaster. And we had a little two-year, not my, our kid, but it was a two-year-old little girl in the car too. And um, we slept over in the basement of this house. We didn't know anybody. They were very generous and kind. And Oh, my God. We, <laughs> and uh, even gave us some breakfast. And then someone, I don't know if we called a taxi or someone drove us and we picked up um, either a bus or a train back to town. Um, but even though I can't remember every detail, I remember how different it was from the way I would want to do something now. It's just interesting that you can be the same person. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm the 15-year-old girl inside still. It's perfectly me. And other times I realize I'm so different, you know, from, from the person I've been at other stages in my life. So I don't know that we're that different. I, I just think that the world has gotten to be, I mean, the things we see on the news now, if we saw them 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we'd be shocked as hell. And now it's just like, okay, how many shootings are there this week? How many is it? It's like, and plus with the way, um, you know, film is, because that's you know, my thing, by all the violence and video games and seeing film, um, I can just say this upsetting thing came this week. We got a text on the phone from that MS-13 gang. My son got a text and it said, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got to do this. They knew our name, where we lived, everything. And you, you got to pay $1,500 or we'll kill your family. And it had all terrible pictures. So I didn't know, you know, what to do. So I called the police. The cops came over. The detectives came over. They said, this is something they do. They Google you, they find your name, they send it to you. And if it's a person that's scared or an older person, they'll arrange to pay the money. And then they have your check credit card and all that stuff. I even called the FBI. They have an office in Red Bank. If anybody doesn't know that, but they do. But it, was, it wasn't as scary. The murder pictures, I guess, because I'm so used to horror movies. And I didn't think it was going to happen. But I didn't like that they had all my information. That I don't like. And that was scary. It wasn't my phone. It was my son's. And um, wow. but the cops were like, this happens. We've seen it. You know, the FBI can't get them because they use burners. They use all these different, you know, no way to trace them. And, you know, they make enough money by doing that to people that are afraid. But that's the point, Barbara. In the old days, I mean, nothing like that would happen. The world I used to I drove to Florida in my gremlin when I was 17 with my dog and I ate Oreo cookies the whole ride. That's all I had. <laughs> and when I got tired, I pulled on the side of the turnpike and I went to sleep. Now I'd be dead 400 times now doing that. But back in the day, it was not a big deal. You know, I hitchhiked when I was young. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I lied when I was 14 and got a job. I, I, you can't do stuff like that anymore. So it's not you. We're, we still have the yeah. people in us. It's just the world has gotten crazy. Well, you know, populate, too populated, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And yet when I went to a mixer my senior year of college, just because I had nothing to do that night, and uh, what I thought was a 
friendly fellow that I was not at all interested in. In fact, I was even dating someone. I guess he was, a, I don't know where he was, but anyway, just to do something, I went to this mixer. And so he offered me a ride home and I said, okay. And um, he ended up parking the car in a dark place near the edge of one of those parks in Manhattan where there's a lot of rolling hills and, and stones and stuff and little cliffs and um, basically held me prisoner there till about 5 a.m. talking about his gun in the glove compartment and how wealthy he was and um, sort of uh, trying to intimidate me and obviously looking for some sort of male-female adventure and um poor Barbara <laughs> finally oh you know I'm sweating he's sweating I couldn't stand the smell of his sweat you know I mean it was awful and around 5 a.m 4 30 or 5 he gave up maybe he started to get scared as he realized it would be you know getting a little light soon so he drove me he said, you know, he started to drive toward my dormitory. And when we got to a red light about a block away, I jumped out of the car. That was one of my amazing jumps from the car. There you go. You uh, are athletic. So you jump from the car. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he went through the, he left. I went that into, is weird. I never, I went like to we the went from silly cat stories to almost being yes. raped in the car. We really said right. that, didn't we? I rang the bell and the housekeeper of the dormitory, you know, was aggravated, but of course she let me in. I went into my bed trembling, perspiring, trembling, and didn't really sleep, but I lay there like in shock, you know, when you can't even unravel enough. And then as soon as the phones were turned on and I thought my parents would be up, I called my parents. And they were very disturbed. And my father asked me about this fellow. And um, I told him what I knew, that he went to Columbia School of uh, Law. Law, can you imagine that? Yeah. And um, his name, I didn't know his address, but I knew what state he was from. And I told him, and my father was, okay, he said, okay, I'll get back to you later. And my father was a very, very determined, forceful person who did what he could for anybody. Sometimes he couldn't do what they needed, but if he could do it and he could help someone, he did. And so later in the day, he called me and he told me that he had talked to the dean of the school of law. I mean, that was my father. You have to talk to somebody important. He did it. And they had quite a discussion in which it became clear that this fellow's uh, father gave a lot of money. Uh, and would it be sufficient if the fellow called and apologized? And, um, you know, I said, OK, I mean, I don't think in those days we were really prepared to handle a lawsuit the way today people think about something. Nowadays, you know, he'd probably be expelled. So, father or buried, you know, these, he'd give him another library or something. So, know, right. So, about an hour or two later, this guy calls. Now he sounds meek and mild, says he apologizes. I say, okay, and I hang up. And that was the end of that adventure.
But I'm saying that, I mean, there have been great people and good people and considerate people always. And there have been people you have to be very careful of always. That's... Ming, you don't have any uh, scary stories where a woman tried to take you and lock you in a room or anything? Did, uh, no, yeah. not like that. Yeah, Debbie, I was going to ask you if you miss those days of being able to hitchhike, <laughs> and, you know, safely and carefully. Well, you know, I never I hear... did it that much. I did it with, I'll tell you the funny story. I was on the track team in Red Bank Catholic for a very short time. I'm not a runner, but it was like something to do and, you know, the guys and all that. And we used to have to run from Red Bank Catholic down to White Street to the field to practice. And my girlfriend and I would wait, let them all start to run, and then we hitchhike. We'd be going right past them in a car. Then we'd go in the woods, and then when everybody ran up, we'd run out of the woods like we were there the whole time. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> and I mean, this is the stuff I did. I was always crazy, but I got good grades. But no, I don't, I, I never got, I was lucky. I never got taken advantage of by anybody. I don't know why, I guess they're scaring me or something, but, and it's funny because, you know, when I got my working papers, I started working on the racetrack. That was my job for six years. I went to school, but I always worked on the track and that's a pretty rough place, you know, but I don't know. I always had street smarts. Don't know how, I guess I got them from the nuns in Catholic school. But um, no, I never had anything like that. Thank God, happened that was scary like that. Never. Well, that uh, yeah, that was very very scary. But in general, I've lived a very very simple life. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to lose power very very soon. So um, battery. Yeah, I think that um, we said we'd only run a half an hour or so. So. I think we should start to close the show that we really wanted to touch base. We, we haven't been doing um, old time radio for four or five weeks because we were involved in our production of one of our Zoom dramas. Um, so we're back now. Uh, maybe it'll be another three weeks before we'll do another one, but we wanted to touch base with our audience and say hello and um, so yeah, show you how yeah. we look. And I want to say and that we have another <laughs> drama coming up. I'm casting it right now. I have one part left to cast, but we will be doing um, that very, very shortly. Yes. I have an affair with my husband, correct? Do I have the title right, Mark? Yes, I had an affair with my husband. Right. And this, the, this is the third of the trilogy of love and adventure in married life. And this one, my husband came up with a major plot in which we see uh, how a couple handle, again, some fantasy and some arousal that maybe isn't totally standard, but if you understand it, you can make a marriage work and be very, very interesting. So we'll keep you posted on that. And if and you go ahead, I wanted to and say if you have funny know. stories or something you'd like to be a guest even on old time radio, just tell us. We're here. You can find me uh, on well on Facebook at Barbara Becker Holstein or write to me at Enchanted. Uh, well, I think um, yeah, EnchantedSelf.com or my email Barbara.Holstein at gmail.com. And we'd love to expand and have 
um, some fascinating people tell some of the ups and downs of their lives through old time radio. I also want to say, because we started on snow, um, number one, Ming, thanks for chiming in. I love Dan. Thanks, Betty. You're a cool Michigan guy. I love Michigan, so that's oh, great. Of course. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, try to come up with more next time. Yeah, that's good. Have fun. <laughs> and I also want to tell everybody that I don't know if they're familiar with this, but on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we're going to have snow again. So let's hope it's not a lot. And, um, you know, be careful. I mean, it, it, the black ice is the killer in New Jersey. Yeah. Black ice. I, so. I had a terrible accident on black ice, so I know. Yeah. Anyway, we love you, audience. You keep us going. We hope we give you a little spark in your day or evening. And see you again soon. See you again. Good night, everybody. And be safe. And we'll get through February. And if we don't see you, happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Okay. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye audience. See you later.